Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches. Yeah, yeah I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth, and then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth uh, no matter what the consequences are. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Conversations with Jeff. Uh, we're bringing back a really special guest that we've had on one time before, but before we get to that, um, for those of you who were asking, uh, you know, because I spoke at the conference over the weekend, the Stand Against Marxism conference, uh, from what I understand, the videos are going to be available, I believe, tomorrow. Don't quote me 100%, but they are either going to be tomorrow or very, very soon. So make sure you uh, stay in tune to that. It'll be at standagainstmarxism.com. Um, and then also, too, just as a reminder, we've got uh, the book Social Injustice coming out very soon. And make sure you guys are pre-ordering that. Uh, I know we're going to close pre-orders here very quickly. Uh, right now, the book is going to be going to the printer very very shortly so definitely get get your pre-orders in now so that way you guys can get the uh, audiobook use the code Dustin you get your free audiobook and the book's gonna be read by all of the authors uh, themselves that way you're hearing it in their own voice uh, but uh, as you can probably tell by the code that I gave out we're gonna have uh, we're having Dustin Faulkner on today joining conversations again for the second time I believe um, and since since the last time we had you on Dustin uh, you've now got your own podcast on the GK, uh, Battlefront Southgate, and I know it's been uh, getting some really good response. Yes, yes, it has. It's uh, been a real good pleasure to get that going and to be able to interact with the people out there and have a really good platform, a strong platform to be able to get our voice out there and for people to hear the perspective from what I can see down here, everything going on around us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I've been enjoying listen, listening to your you know show every week and that sort of thing. But what's interesting is that, you know, I feel like uh, when you've got guys like, you know, Sam Jones and myself and Patrick Wyatt, you know, we're tend, we tend to focus more on the theological issues and what's going on specifically within, within the church. Whereas that one of the things that I appreciate about your show is you're looking at what's going on in kind of the political realm and the cultural realm and that sort of thing, but from a Christian perspective, um, especially dealing with some of these issues like illegal immigration and Ilhan Omar and, and that, that whole crowd. Right. Right. Because, you know, uh, when we're doing stuff, in my opinion, I believe that 
if we can get everything in a, a round way, people are able to see things from different perspectives, especially when you have men who are uh, theologically sound, giving it from that area, and then you get somebody who spends a lot of time in the political realm and then able to see that from a Christian perspective. And, you know, there's, of course, Christians in politics, but you don't really get that perspective when he's surrounded by other Christian men, as the Gatekeepers Podcast Network has with you and Sam uh, Patrick, and then you got that Wit Podcast, which is really good, and then, you know, Schumann's back on. So you're really getting a strong ground on everything, and I, I really appreciate that, what everything's being built when, around that network so yeah definitely i mean it's really been fun and, and and since you mentioned it too for for everybody who is watching and because we are going live right now on facebook uh but we do have uh schumann's very first episode of uh the schumann show uh and if you guys have not seen it you have to i mean it's a pretty epic show uh he's tacking the environmentalism uh, view and really destroys pretty much all of their arguments using logic and science and an understanding of natural gas and oil it's it's really fascinating so if you guys haven't checked that out make sure you check that out today his first episode is out today um but you know so what one of the things that you've really been tackling that i wanted to discuss with you was this idea of illegal immigration and the difference between our perspective as christians and conservatives and that sort of thing versus the progressive open borders I mean, essentially one world government as their end goal. I mean, that's really what this comes down to. But that, but this, that's been one of the issues you've been dealing with as well as your chapter in the book. So, um, like, what is it that you're seeing right now that it, that makes you feel like, okay, this is this is definitely an issue that we need to be tackling right now? Well, if you go and you look at all of the European countries, because they're kind of what about ten to. 15 years, maybe even five years, ahead, only five years ahead of us. And you see how all of those issues uh, came into effect. And what happens is as you examine everything that's happened, because you need what you always need to do is learn from other people's mistakes. And then we see that because the globalists operate from those areas over there overseas, and you see how they can come in and change a nation. And I think that it's extremely important because I believe that I've said this in the Southgate broadcast is the fact that in my opinion and from all of my research, America actually is like the last free beacon of conservative Christian speech. And that to me, if we don't examine the things which have happened in those areas, then we will not be able to stop what's coming. And it's happening very quickly as it, you know, as I talked about in the Ilhan, the Red Green Axis program, that's already here. We're witnessing that. And then when we look at those areas, how they quickly, all of that converged over there. Uh, I've heard from experts like uh, Sharam Hadian, who's been over there and was a former Muslim uh, from Iran and how his family is from there. And he has got, came back and the guy said that when he went over there, he found that nation is totally gone. And how incredibly sad is that that you a people will let their nation be taken over by illegal immigration uh by the wrong usage of legal immigration and no longer be able to have that ability 
to proclaim the word of God out loud or any kind of conservative uh, moralistic values for that purpose. And we need to, as a people, examine those issues and then put a stop to it here and now before we become those nations. We have to be the voice in the wilderness. Yeah, no, the, the, thing, the thing is that the argument always comes back that, Dustin, your view is not loving. We're supposed to welcome the foreigner, welcome the immigrant. We're, you know, we're supposed to take care of them. We're supposed to give them stuff because that means that we are loving them when we give them stuff. So what, how, how are we supposed to respond as believers to this argument from a lot of the mainstream pastors of we, should, we shouldn't be stopping them from coming in. We should be welcoming everybody in with open arms because that's what Jesus would do. Well, I would say that if we're supposed to be welcoming people with open arms, would, would you as a person not check out? You have this. Think about this for a second. You're, you have your home, you have your, your, your wife and your kids, and then you have this great amount of food, you've, you've worked really hard, you've built up a massive amount of wealth probably, or maybe you're just a, a normal person and you don't have a massive amount of wealth, wealth but you have some. And you just say that there's this guy on the street, well, as a Christian, I need to welcome this person in. Am I not going to examine that person that I might be bringing into the home where my wife and my kids and then say, well, I just need to be nice to that person and then turn my head the other way and start giving this person everything. And as soon as I turn away, this person could be a criminal. He could have ulterior motives to come in here and hurt my wife when I'm not looking. Uh, maybe uh, perhaps this is uh, strongly. Maybe they might rape my, my wife. Uh, and as we have seen in those nations and or maybe rob us. Uh, beat us, kill us. How can we, as a, per, a Christian, say that we don't have the right and reason to examine anybody before letting them in and just giving them away our home? Because we have a purpose as husbands and also as wives to husbands that we need to look out for one another. We need to stay in biblical line and with the values. And if we're not taking and being good stewards of anything that we've been blessed in our work for, and then we're allowing people that would come in to harm us, how much of a Christian are you if you're letting people go around and be hurt when you had the ability to stop that and prevent these things from coming in here and hurting people? And that is a major reason that, you know, there's a problem with these guys. They always want to say, well, we need to be given everything out. Who said we need to be given everything out? Nobody said that. Because what happens is you start giving everything out. Do you have anything left because they come in and take it from you? Then how are you going to feed your wives and your kids? There's a problem with that because you're not taking care of what God has given you personally. And you have to take care of your wife and your family, your home. And you have to take care of the people around you because you have an obligation to your neighbors, especially as a Christian, to watch out for them as well. Yeah, you know, and the, the funny thing about that is, you know, with, with this push of social justice and Marxism and redistribution of wealth and, you know, you know, taking money away from those who earned it to give to those who haven't and all that kind of stuff. The, the funny thing is, is that the Christians always point to the book of Acts, where the early church was basically sharing and giving everything with, with everybody, um, you know, to anybody who, who had need. 
um, and they, they point to that as the example. But if you actually look at Scripture, we, we realize that, that that can only last for so long. So just because something is described in Scripture doesn't mean that it's prescribed. And so at, at a certain point, we, we learn that the, that the uh, Jerusalem church ran out of resources. And then they had to start asking for help from other churches. I mean, that's not a sustainable model to be, you know, to have this socialistic ideology. And I, and I feel like that's what's happening right now in, the, in America. It's this mentality that's happening within the church. And not only is it happening within America, but now we're saying to everybody else, yeah, come on in because we're just going to share, share with you all of our resources, no matter where you come from. Or you know what you know how much or how little you work, and that's that's not sustainable like at all. Yeah. Well, you know the thing that I would ask is, uh, you you have a lot of the people. How many of those, to a certain extent, have even gone out and then taken chances and risks to where they actually build up the wealth? How many of those are actually just people who have not? any resources of their own, but they're telling other people who have the resources blessed to them, because good or bad, you know, God sends his reign on the good and bad, right? So you're blessed, if he, let, if he in his sovereignty, if he allows you to be blessed in your work, and then you've earned things, you got all of these people saying that, oh, well, we need to share with everybody. How much do they have to share? Because I'm pretty sure that a lot of them that I hear say these things, they have nothing to share. A lot of them haven't even gotten out of their parents' house. And, you know, I know that that's a difficult thing to do now, but we need to start changing that. You, we always have to examine who's telling me I have to share and why is there purpose that says we need to share and what risk are they going to be if they were to have their own things to share. And I just, to me, it's just unbelievable how you can just have that mentality that says, I, everybody needs to, but I don't have that ability to do it myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that that's that's the funny thing about looking at a lot of these you know big name pastors and in big churches and that sort of thing. That the the people that are really making this push for redistribution, for pro illegal immigration, and that sort of thing, is that they have the resources to actually fix a lot of the problems in their communities. Like they're bringing in millions and millions of dollars every year just in offering, let alone book sales and conferences and things along those lines, right? So if you have those resources, where is that money going to? Is that going to salaries? Is it going to new, to new church buildings? Is it going to sound systems? Is it going to decoration? Like, what is it going to? Or whatever happened to trying to fix your local community and providing help? But instead, they're saying, well, that should be the government's responsibility. And it's it's really ironic that that's kind of how all of this plays out. Yeah, I mean, uh, we 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 say that it's as as they say that it's the government's responsibility. Let's examine also how many of those are. And I know I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, and I, <laughs> I, it's not a popular thing, but I have a problem with the way the five o the five hundred one c three and all of that set up now. Because what happens is able, that, that's basically like a, sub, a subsidy that's given to churches based on the preference, right? But it, it, as we all know, anything that you take from the government, he has his hand out to take from you. It's the, and so 
I think that that needs to be reformed to a certain certain degree because what we have here, Jeff, is that these organizations take that and they go from maybe a small church to this huge church, and they're still on these 501c3 programs getting the government monies and then telling us that we need to be given our money that we've given into the church for the reason of the church to other people who don't even have any care to come to the church. And that's why I think that we need to start looking at, maybe we might need to reorganize those 501c3s, look into maybe uh, put some stipulations on that because we've empowered by such programs people who are undermining us at every turn. In fact, they don't even have a care for the Bible. Most of them can't even get past one chapter or one verse. And they're telling us that, well, this is what the Bible says, but they haven't even read the rest of it. Or if they even have read the rest of it, what worldview are they having that tells them that that's what the Bible, what the Lord has said to us in Scripture by his proclamations through everybody else? Well, I mean, the whole issue with telling, with using government funds is it's got to come from somebody. So you're picking my pocket in the offering plate, and then you're also picking my pocket from Caesar's plate. It makes absolutely no sense to me. It, to me, it's a, a very big problem that we need to be addressing. Yeah, well, you know, I, th- I think it's one of those things that I think that we that should be taken a look at. And I think and I think part of it is, you know, in our country right now, we're kind of dealing with this issue of, you know, obviously like too much government involvement, right? We, you know, they're they're impacting freedom of speech, they're impacting freedom of religion, that sort of thing. I, I'm I'm kind of of the belief, let's get the government out of things altogether. You know, I, th- I think it's fair that if people are, you know, donate, donating to their churches, that that money's not going to then be turned around in tax because they're theoretically giving it to their local church in order to, you know, provide, you know, service and help and, you know, that and that sort of thing. But at the same time, I think that when you are a 501c3, what ends up happening is now the government does have some control over what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say. Which, I mean, it's unconstitutional, but it's the reality of it right now, unfortunately. And so I totally agree with you. It's definitely something that I think we should be taking a look at. Well, I am, I, I'm of the same opinion with me, I, of you. I think that I, 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 government has its place, and I believe that we need to legislate to some point. But at what point does legislation do any good what what point are we when we're telling somebody else how they should live their lives is it actually working because i don't know about you i'm not somebody who likes to be told what to do and then restricted upon my choices now if you have the correct worldview you're going to make the proper choices anyway so what you're telling me is yeah well we're going to legislate this and then protect you but you have to listen to us on every everything else, and then we're going to tell you what you should believe. And so I, 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 I agree with you. I think that we need to start taking government out of a lot of these things. It's it's out of control. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think and I think with it, with this thing specifically of of dealing with the five hundred one c threes, I think I think having having it set up to where the pastors do have the right to talk and teach about anything, including politics including you know whatever that is because what ends up what's ended up happening is the people on the right so the conservatives and and more libertarian pastors 
they're being silenced because they're obeying the law. And then you have the more progressive pastors and leaders that they don't care, and they're just going to talk about it anyway, and nobody does anything about it. But as soon as a conservative does, all of a sudden now they crack down on them, like we saw uh, with, the, with the IRS scandal, it was it five years ago or six years ago or however long ago it was. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if, we could just, if we could just say that churches, you know, they shouldn't be taxed, but they should also not be regulated by the government in what they teach and preach and that sort of thing. Right. And, and as, as I, I think that it's just all coming down to a subsidiary issue. And it, and to me, any time that you have the government coming into uh, an organization or even an individual's uh, lifestyle, and I know that there are things that we could agree upon that we would want it to be stopped, but you're still, if the uh, if whoever's in control of the government and is going to be directing where everything needs to be, and as we see now, we have so much government uh, control, it's not it's hardly even in the power of the people anymore. So who's who's in control now? That's why we're sitting here right now, and then we have Democrats trying to hold an impeachment of our president behind closed doors in secrecy. It's insane. It has to be stopped. What, at what point are we going to be uh, having to protect ourselves because they're knocking on our doors to take everything from us, saying that you're violating the law? What's, at what, when's this going to stop? When does the madness stop? Yeah, you know, and, and, and when you look at everything too, like the, the, the other side of it is that everything is progressively getting more uh, more towards socialism. Everything is progressively getting more, more towards governmental oversight. Everything is progressively getting more and more left. And unfortunately, that's even happening within the church. Um, you know, like we're consistently, especially over the last couple of years, we're seeing the church go further left, 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 whereas before it used to be a guaranteed conservative voting block that was like 90% evangelicals always voted Republican. Now it's, that number's gone, going way, way down. I mean, what do you think is, in your opinion, what do you think is contributing to that? Of the numbers going down? Yeah, in the sense of like, it, you know, even Christians moving more progressive and more to the left. I mean, you've got you've got guys like Russell Moore, you've got guys like Tim Keller, even Al Mohler, like all these guys that are kind of drawing people away from traditionally conservative views towards being more, you know, let's let the government take care of this. Let's have open borders. Let's have socialism, essentially. Well... My opinion, first off, the first thing I would say is that it's an infiltration of that area. And why is that? Because you've made it incredibly lucrative for them to go and turn these into big businesses. That's why we had the problems with everybody going to Peter Drucker with the whole Rick Warren thing, right? So what happens there is you, the, the, so, the, the people with the socialist ideas already agree that the government should be giving them these subsidies. So what do they do? They go in there and use that subsidy. And now they have a major control of the church. Most of these people, and you know, and I hate to say it, I think people are going and sitting in the pews and tuning out, all right? They're ready to go home and watch the next football game. You know, there's a problem there. You know, I like a little football, but you can't ask me any of the stats or stuff. I don't know all of that. And why is that? Because that's not where my focus is. But that's where their focus is all the time. It's on entertainment. It's on, uh, it's on uh, 
the next thing that they're going to buy, the, the sports, maybe you go in and need some nachos. I, I don't know, but it's not on biblical teaching, and that's because you got an idiot in the pulpit who's making money from these people and then causing them to start going this direction. And it's made it very easy for those guys to do that because they have a, a business model in the church, and then people want to be entertained. So with that business uh, model and then the subsidy from the government – they could do that. And so what happens with the with those issues, you start shutting down any of the real conservative biblical preachers. So what are we doing? We're having to do it from our homes now. Like I, the church I attend, man, is like we're in an RV park. OK, we use the building there and we are not a 501c3. And because you force people like that. And, and I know that there are some theological issues that, you know, people would disagree with uh and you know we always hash that out this is what we do but the the fact is is you're forcing away the conservative preachers who make an effort spend 40 hours a, uh, a week to for one sermon and then you have the useful idiots like uh russell moore and i, I don't even know if he's a useful idiot he might actually be somebody who's leading the effort and it's purposeful so that that's what i think is the problem is just the ability for these people to come in and make money and then uh, market properly and then push out anybody. So people are they're fed up. They don't have uh, any kind of emotional intelligence or uh, any kind of biblical IQ to understand what's going on around them. Some are waking up, but uh, I think that's why you're start, people are just fed up. What does the church give them if it's the same thing they can get sitting at home streaming Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, and, and that's and that's the fa- that's the fascinating thing about a lot of these big names that are out there. You know, you know, it's you can you can kind of separate them out a bit based off of okay, who with who is this being intentional and who is just being naive, right? You know, there's certain guys like Tim Keller and Russell Moore where you're like, okay, that's intentional. Guys like Rick Warren, that's intentional, right? And th- but then you start getting into some of these other like gospel coalition guys and Southern Baptist convention guys. And you're like, maybe it is, but it could just be that they're just going along and they're just going along with the latest fad, which is even more scary because of the fact of how much influence they have. And they're not even taking the time to do their research. Absolutely. It's profitable pragmatism, because what happens with that is you go the direct you, you pragmatically Go the direction that's going to profit you most, right? You know, and as a, a business owner, you're going to have a certain amount of pragmatism there because you need to understand the sway of that, right? So to me, that's what the problem is, is you do have people like T- in the TGC. I think there are some, maybe a couple here and there that they're, 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 they have good intentions. But, you know, how does the old adage go? The, good in, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And why is that? Is because you have these good intentions, but no understanding of the direction that you're going. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah, one one hundred percent. And I, you know, kind of to bring it back a little bit to this idea of illegal immigration, kind of what we were talking about before, and your chapter in the book and that sort of thing. But what is what should the biblical Christian perspective? on this issue be? Because I feel like, you know, a lot of people will say that if you're for building a wall, if you're for ha- having a border, 
you're a you're not being loving but then also on the flip side is that um if you're if you're doing that then um then you're just being too political you're just towing the party line thus we should be for open borders is basically the way the argument works so in all of your research and figuring all this stuff out what's what's the right solution in your opinion for how a christian should view this issue well i i believe that you know you have to understand as you go back and you look at uh the old testament how god uh set standards up and he set borders and even the and the levites they 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 weren't even people weren't even allowed into the temple unless they met certain standards and so the biblical view is Yes, you need boundaries to protect, uh, to be able to have your, your people together. And then they, they, it, the biblical view is that someone has to meet the standard in order to enter. Lawfully, that standard is to obey our laws, to come in illegally, to prove that you have a meritable reason to be here. And, you know, um, we're not even going to take care of our own people. So why start bringing in people if you're not taking care of your own house? But the biblical perspective is, yes, you want to treat people kindly. You want to have a certain amount of care for them. We know that there are people being persecuted, being hurt in war-torn countries, but you also have a vast amount of other people coming in with them who have a different purpose. And so the biblical, the biblical understanding is that we need to have boundaries, set rules and standards for them to meet, and then you allow people in. And, and no, you need to allow them not in a bunch at a time. You got to take your time because you have to be able to take, you have to be able to make sure those people can come in, live within that standard before you start bringing in more. Yes, care for the foreigner, but be careful of the foreigner. You know, love them because you want the best for them. But the best for them may not even be entrance into your borders because they don't have the standard to meet. The, they, they're they against you, and so you can't just allow people in willy-nilly and love them. And no matter what, guys, you give the gospel. You're going to do that, all right? I mean, just because, you just, just because you're denying them entrance does not mean you're not having the ability to give them the gospel. So you can deny them entrance, and then you show them the reason why you're being denied the entrance. That is part of giving the gospel, because you're saying, this is my standard. This is why you're denied the entrance. But if you come to this standard, and you can perhaps enter into our borders. So that's what I believe. That's from my research. Uh, that's you, a lot of the Old Testament. They'll try and use that against you. But they twist that, and you need to understand that you know it's God's rule, not man's rule. But He allows us to make rules based upon His rules to take care of our um, own borders. And you can't just start allowing people to come in there. It's not unloving to say you can't come in. It's more loving to say that, and then allow the ones who do meet those standards to enter. Yeah, I, I heard somebody, and I don't remember who it is off the top of my head, but I heard somebody talking about the issue of illegal immigration. It was from a more secular perspective, but it was an interesting concept. And what he was saying was that we shouldn't be taking in permanent residents, at least as much as we are right now. And we shouldn't just be cherry picking 
the best of the best. And the reason that he gave was really interesting. Is he said, if we're taking the best of the best from all of these third world countries and bringing them here and educating them and that sort of thing, all of a sudden now you're taking the best of the best from those third world countries and taking away their shot at actually turning things around because we're getting the best here in the States, which, yeah, of course, you know, we want America first mentality and that sort of thing. But at the, but at the same time, you know, we we see a lot of these other countries as threats. We see them as problems. We see them devolving into communism and extreme socialism and that sort of thing. And then we're taking away the very people that could actually fix the problem and keeping them for ourselves, as opposed to bringing them in, training them, and then sending them back so that way they can actually take what they learned here and apply it in their own countries. And maybe, just maybe, countries like Venezuela and some of these South American countries and African countries and Asian countries could actually turn some of these things around as opposed to us just hoarding the smartest, brightest people in the entire world and then leaving everybody else left like, okay, now what do we do? Absolutely. Because uh, Todd Benzman of the Center for Immigration Studies he said something similar to that, and that might be who you're talking about. It could be. And you know, yeah. And what what you're, in essence, what we're doing is by taking in you know great people, they can't go and make their own countries great. And that's what the the issue is with nationalism. That's why Trump wanted to close the borders is because you not just make your country great. It's he told them, in one of it, you know, he said, you make your country great. And then if you don't have now, if we're bringing them in and training them there, you know, there should be a, a time limit. And we need that's where the whole immigration reform comes from and to uh, make sure that people aren't overstaying their visas or whatever. And then allowing them to go back into their countries. And that also that that's also goes on to how you were asking about how the proper uh, biblical view is. OK, you want to help somebody. You don't do everything for them. All right. So you let them come in, teach them, vet them to make sure that they're going to do the things that you're going to be teaching them and they qualify, then take them, send them out, let them go to their own countries. Because the greatest thing that we can do as Americans with our capitalist economy and with our Christian worldview is that we cause it to be spread from one person to another person to another person, and then they can have the proper worldview in, in the context of that change their countries. What would happen? Now, we all know that that's, that's not going to happen because, the, you know, we have been told the ending, but it, we should still live our lives as if we are trying to make other people's lives better in that regard. And I absolutely agree. What you're going to have is a bunch of people not being taken care of. They're older, dying. Their women are hurting. Their children are starving to death. You're not helping anything by coming over here and then kicking your feet up. It's not. It's just not the way anything's designed to work. Right. Right. You know, and it's and it's one of those things where everybody always says, "Okay, let's fix the root problem." Well, the root problem is that something needs to change in these communist countries and socialistic countries. But it's almost like we are stunting their ability to actually do it by hoarding all of their resources for ourselves. Um, it's it's just, it's fascinating, like when you think about it like that, you know, because, you know, if, if you want a country to have better medical care, but we're taking away all their doctors, it's like, well, 
so great. We ha we get all the doctors. Now what about the, this third world country where they have nothing? You know, we're taking away their ability to survive because we're taking the brightest and the best for ourselves. I don't know. It's 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 something fascinating to think about. I haven't fully like thought through it all, but it's just an interesting concept dealing with that issue. You know, right? And you know, without giving too much away of the upcoming episode of, of Battlefront Southgate, I go into that. That you know, and in the I go into a now. The, the real reason that you're importing workers is is to cause the country to not be able to sustain itself here right because if you if you're bringing in all of the best from all of there what's happening to the people here so we become useless and we're robotic and then we don't have any skills here so even in that own that whole context we're not doing good for ourselves so what are we going to do uh, cause our people to go hungry when you or i are dead one day uh it, it's you know we're importing workers and then they don't even have a good purpose for why they're here they want to change it bringing those communist problems that you're talking about and i you know i go into that so they can be ready for that when that drops but you're absolutely right and i think that it that's a very good thing that we need to start examining more I, we're hurting countries by taking their best yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting, and in, in in it's one of those things where I think we need to think through a lot of our decisions that we're making as a country, as the church, and what we're going to support and not support, because there's repercussions beyond just the immediate um, the immediate response. Like there's there's wide reaching repercussions that a lot of times we don't even think about, especially when we're dealing with like something as globalistic and wide reaching as immigration and, and illegal immigration and that sort of thing. Um, so uh, let's let's get Dustin Faulkner on the record, however. And the question is, should a, should a Christian support the wall? Absolutely. And what, 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 what's, your, what's your case for that? My case is, like I said earlier, is that you need to establish borders and boundaries and have standards that cause you to be able to cross a wall. And without standards, you're not doing anyone any good because you're letting them in. Keep the worst out, bring the good in, and love people by telling them that they have to reach the higher bar. You set the bar low then you're going to have a bunch of people not doing right. Maybe when everything's depleted here, what are they going to do? Go back and then have more destruction in their own countries. You as a Christian should support a wall for protecting your family and for protecting those who are coming here and others being smuggled here because you're not helping anything by having a free for all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, I don't know. It's it's just it's it's fascinating to me with all of the you know liberal ideology that's infiltrating the liberal uh, uh, progressive pastors that are being promoted and that sort of thing. It's just it's it's fascinating to me how all of all of this stuff can be twisted and manipulated to try to fit in with scripture. And I think that that's where a lot of this becomes so dangerous. Is that what they're doing is they're taking a lot of the biblical 
terminologies and a lot of the biblical examples taking them out of context and then saying, see, look, Jesus was against borders. See, look, we're supposed to take care of illegal immigrants from anywhere and everywhere possible. Like basically everybody in the entire world should come to the United States and we'll take care of them all because that's what Jesus would do. And it's it's just it's it sounds more like an idealistic like Bernie Sanders AOC than anything found in in scripture. Right. And, you know, how is Jesus not for borders when the Pharisees came to him, though they were trying to trick him in another regard so that they could turn him into Caesar? Why did he say render unto Caesar what is Caesar's? And that is because governments have their own established rules and you need to obey those rules. That's why you have these idiots misusing Romans 13 because they don't understand in context that everybody has their own form of government and you and God uh, and his sovereignty allows those things to happen and so you're not helping anything by saying that you need to adhere to this government or, or that government every person has their own government in their countries and they have the right to establish that and then by saying well allowing another one to come over here after you've had decades and decades and hundreds of centuries or whatever of a country that's existed i mean how's it helping anything it's not helping it's not not good at all i mean even jesus to the point said that you need to give to caesar what is his and that in the borders would be something established by government of the people here yeah well you know i i think that one of the things that we as christians need to remember is that a lot of what we experience and a lot of what we see and are dealing with, God set up as a reflection of a theological thing, issue, right? So like when we're dealing with borders, that's a reflection of heaven because you you have to fit in with certain standards, which is you have to be righteous, you have to be perfect. The only way to be righteous and perfect is because of Christ death on the cross and he paid our penalty for our sins thus we could enter into heaven like if you don't if you're either not perfect or christ didn't pay for your sins sorry but you can't enter and there there's the ultimate wall and there's no digging under it no going above it and so i think that that's one of those things that i think we have to remember is that as christians we need to remember that a lot of these issues are there as a reflection to a theological point that god is making as a reminder to us all pointing back to him as well. Exactly. You know, and in, 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 in to me, this is his world, and uh, it, those are the rules that he's established. And, and if everybody were to be following such uh, of those rules, the things that would work a, a lot better. Um, and, and, you know, that was, goes back to the whole the reflection, what you just said about the whole Levites in the temple, you know, if they, they were even Levites, if I'm not mistaken, they were thrown out because of not uh, being obedient to what God established to be able to be in the temple. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a reflection of what was to come in Christ. And so you can't enter without that advocate. You know, we're, we're nothing without Christ because we're unclean to God without him because that— uh, that was not paid for if you if you don't have that and then the holy spirit residing within you so that's a a big issue that people need to understand and i completely agree with you yeah yeah definitely now i kind of want to like shift the focus a bit and talk okay. about like kind of kind of the latest and I don't, I don't know if you've talked about it or written about it but it's the latest in christian news 
Um, and the reason why I want to bring this up to you and throw this your way is because your article on John MacArthur and the and his whole football fiasco is still the most read article on the GK, and I'm and we're still getting a good solid 20 to 30 people reading it every single day. And it's been up there for months, right? So it's like consistently, people are searching for it. People are looking for it. It's fascinating to me. But this whole thing that went down with MacArthur and Beth Moore, and then the the insanity that ensued after the fact, what's what's your take on that, on that whole issue? Well, uh, you know, I think that we can all agree, all of us who are not trying to feminize the church, that Beth Moore has, w- when she began to really come out about her purpose, has been a thorn in, in the real church's side. Now, I believe that John MacArthur had the right to, to you know, to call her out. I believe that he was purposeful in what he said. I don't think that that in any way it was wrong that he said, tell her to go home. I mean, you know, a lot of us, we come down hard upon MacArthur, but when he's right, he's right. And I think that we need to start examining the purpose of these people, of why they want to, you know, you need to understand, we we need to understand that, you know, it goes back to Genesis about how uh, the woman would desire that of the position of the man. And then as we were, have been talking about this whole time, that God established rules. Now, you, you, you fall into that position that God or, ordained and, and made righteous, because it all points back to him, that you understand there are it's qualifications. Again, everything's qualifications. Now, I would be I would like that anybody out there that's saying, you know, of you got all of these pastrixes and look if you look at any of them, what is their purpose for desiring that leadership position? And in and it what you need to look at is when they get that, is it contention uh, contentiousness or is it contentment? And because you know, if you're following and obeying God's law, then everything would be contentment for you. There wouldn't be any kind of strife or problems. So by us, by what John MacArthur said, he's telling her that you don't qualify for this and you need to stop what you're doing. Now, it doesn't mean that he's saying that she's some kind of uh, a bad person just because she's a woman. There are many things that women can do great within the church, and we can argue that all day long. And I think, but the fact remains is there's one thing that is exclusive to men for sure and that is teaching from the pulpit and that was outlined in Timothy and there's all of this stuff been outlined in Titus you can't go against that because when you do then no longer is the church living within purpose and I think that we just need to really start examining the what people are wanting to do by putting people like Beth Moore into power and I believe that's a big issue of what it is it's about power and pride and I would also say that you know just to look at it another way there are people who do take what is right what is good and what is right and lord it over others right but they themselves are acting unbiblically because it's not the truth in love it's the truth in follow what I say 
because then you're making it man-centered and not God-centered. So when you're going around trying to bully women, and we have a lot of unresolved issues in the church. We address this a lot. We address this with people out there, and we talk with them. We even give way and accommodation to some people that otherwise we wouldn't at all because of how they were treated by the church. And so we're allowing all of that to come in here and then start changing and causing strife within the church. And, you know, if there's strife within the church, then it's divided, and then it causes these schisms, and then nobody's going to have any kind of— it's, it's all about causing the whole—nobody—it's about making the, the Bible errant, right? So if you can discredit what the Word of God says— then it is no longer applicable, and then they can go and live however they want. And I think that that's a big, the, the, the big problem. And we could talk uh, all kinds of other things about what John MacArthur said, but I believe he was spot on by saying that, and he has the right to say that. It's also how we say things, too. I understand that people have an issue with just because it's coming out of his mouth and, and, and things he's done, which have been not, not very good uh, toward women, but... When you're when you're right, you're right, and you need to take us. We need to take a step back and say, okay, I agree about that, and then we continue to address the other issues that we need to be fine. I mean, you know, it's it's you have people who's angry, and it's bitterness, and in their bitterness, they want to destroy what they believe, victimize them. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think that the the issue with Beth Moore and with filling somewhat of a, a pastor's role, even though she doesn't call herself a pastor, but the fact that she essentially, she kind of fills that role in the sense of she'll teach, she'll preach, she'll preach to mixed audiences, to men, you know, that sort of thing. But like we were saying before, this really comes back to the reason why God set this up was a reflection to a, to a deeper theological point. So the relationship between men and women is supposed to be a reflection of the church in Christ. And the, and the whole point of male leadership is because it's supposed to be a reflection of God's leadership over us. And so all of, all of these things are supposed to be reflecting a theological point. But I think that what's happened is both sides of the argument, really, have kind of taken this issue away from the deeper theological point and just made it about that issue, which I think then it comes down to, well, that's misogynistic. Well, that's sexist. That's bigoted. You know, whatever it is. It's like, well, no, you're forgetting the whole point. The point isn't just to make it man can teach and only man can teach, but the point is to point us back to our relationship with Christ. And that's where I think that the church is failing really on both sides of the argument because that's not being articulated very well at all. Right. To me, it's they are they're forgetting the purpose in their arbitrariness. And, you know, because everybody has this whole opinion that they're right, they they get emotional about it. And so they're not thinking with any kind of reason. They just hear, well, he told a woman to go home. And that's another problem with the feminizing the church is because, oh, well, you insulted a woman. Hold on a minute. Did I insult the woman or did I tell her to stop doing the things that's causing problems? Now, that's the same as when a husband and a wife together, right? I can be anti, I can be, I can be going against biblical principles as a husband. And then as my wife, because Christ commanded me to love my wife, I would give ear to her when she's actually bringing to a point to me that I'm doing something wrong without 
trying to take the position that's been uh, given to me as her husband. And that's why, you know, you, you work together in that. And I think that a lot of people think that, oh, well, you're just trying to bully somebody because they're a woman. No, you're, you're not. You're just trying to follow the prince. Because think about this, all right? Jesus Christ is coming back for the bride. We're right. So there, right there, it's, it's patriarchal and masculine in its description of Christ. And it's that deeper theological issue, as you just said. There, there's a time and a place for all of that, and I think that we, you know, you're right. We have, they've gotten off of the subject due to emotions and opinions and self-perceived insult. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's crazy to me the, the outrage that came from that and the outrage culture that not only is our society a part of, but just the church is involved in too. It's like you say anything wrong and all of a sudden like you need to be canceled you need to be destroyed you need you need to be completely eliminated as opposed to hey why don't we why don't we actually talk about this issue like okay so the supporters of Beth Moore and then the supporters of MacArthur why don't you guys actually have a rational conversation about the role of women in pastoral leadership i i feel like that would be a good conversation and if anybody wants to come on we could always do we could always throw down a, a GK fight night and i'm sure she would be more than happy to host that right yeah <laughs> That would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, you know, so kind of, kind of, as we're wrapping up a bit, but I wanted to give you the chance to kind of explain, like, so you've got your podcast, you've got Battlefront Southgate, um, and you know, I know you've talked about illegal immigration. I know you've talked about Ilhan Omar and some political things as well. What, what, if you can give us a sneak peek as to what's coming down the road? What are some of the issues that you're really going to be focusing on, um, as you know, in the near future? In the near future, Southgate's going to move into going into some theological issues. I've been throwing around, you know, cause, uh, it, doing maybe a, a Bible study, which would be probably throwing in an extra episode of that a week. Because honestly, that would help me too. Because when you start getting busy in life, you do things like that. It actually gives you an excuse to go back to the Bible. Because in reality, that's where all of my worldview comes to the best of what I, I understand. I'd... I believe that I should be going always back to Scripture. So what you're going to see a lot more from Southgate is, yes, we're going to address, we address the issues within the church, and right now, as this is going on, it's coming back to that point, and that was the whole point with immigration warfare is you're warning the church and how it's starting to infiltrate the church. But I'm going to be in, going into some more uh, theological issues. We're going to start addressing things to where it goes back to the Bible, and I do want to start doing a Bible study, you know, in there as well, which would help me in in my walk, and then in my walk, maybe I can help some other people. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I think that'd be great, and, you know, I think it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun next few months, because I, um, I know we've got a bunch of announcements on some new, you know, shows and some new projects and that sort of thing that we're going to be, you know, working on a rolling out with the GK, um, but, but one of the things that's been really fun and really cool is having guys like you and Shu and Sam Jones and just having like the right set of guys that I feel like all have the right mentality, even though like you and I probably disagree on quite a bit theological, theologically, same thing with like Sam and I, or Shu and I, or, you know, all of us, you know, we're all coming from slightly different perspectives, but I think the thing that I enjoy is having some of these conversations where we're just like 
talking through issues because I feel like that's that's what's really missing right now in again like not only just society but within the church as well. Right, I think that a lot of us have got, gotten to the point where, uh, you know, that's why you have all the denominations and everything, right? It's just because it's all about what what man says rather than what God says, and I believe that. We're, nobody's ever going to be perfect on that, right? It's a lifelong process of until God takes you. It's a lifelong process of us to come and understand the Bible as much as we can as possible. And as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen the countenance of another. And by doing that in our disagreements, we come to, as long as we're bringing it back to Scripture, we're, we're learning what the scriptural truth is, and I absolutely agree with you that no, none of us are ever going to agree 100% because, you know, we are man, and we all have that issue there that will it, it will be injected in there. we got to always try and avoid that to the best we can, but in all of that, we will come to what is the truth. I, I believe that. Right, right. No, I, I, I totally agree. And you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been fascinating. Like I was kind of saying earlier too, is how your, your article that you wrote on, on MacArthur is still like the most read on the GK, and it literally every single day, twenty to thirty. It's like, it's like clockwork. Like the rest of them will kind of come and go depending on if I post. But I don't even think I posted that article on, on like Twitter or anything in like the longest time. And it's still like people like that's the one that people are like searching for and Googling and pulling up. So, I mean, the fact that you were able to address that and then do so in a way where people are still coming back and, and checking that out. I think, you know, again, I'm, I'm grateful for you and the, your ability to do research and, and do that kind of stuff. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm really glad to have you on the GK as well. Well, thank you. I, when I when I wrote the article, you know, I tried to write it in a way that it left people to where they could go and find the answers instead of me trying to inject my own viewpoint upon it because there's still answers that we need to find. Uh, and, and I think that that's the reason is because uh, people like John MacArthur are, are at the forefront. And then you even everybody knows his name, whether they're Christian or not. And that's why you're starting to see a lot of these people searching for the answers. And, you know, as long as we are always trying to be truthful uh, and, and kind and, you know, in what we say, and, and to some people, your kindness may not sound like it, but when you're trying to speak in truth, it, it is a kindness. And I think that's why we're starting to see a lot of people looking at the article because people want the truth. People are tired of being deceived. And when you start having people who are in leadership for a long time and they get caught in their deceit, it makes them question their sincerity. That's a bad problem. We don't want that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, again, I, I totally agree. Um, so, you know, as we're wrapping up, tell people how they can, you know, follow up on you uh, with social media and, you know, keeping up on, you know, things that you're up to. And, you know, because I know, I know you put out some, some fun tweets that definitely get people talking and thinking and that sort of thing. So how, how, how can people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Deloid Falk, which is D-L-O-Y-D-F-A-U-L-K. I also have... A, for my business that is currently under work still, it's uh, BF underscore Frontline uh, on Twitter. That one's still a small account, but that was really reserved for that uh, uh, building that business. And then you can also find me on Parlor, and that and that handle is at BFB R O A D I. Sorry, it's at BF Broadcasting for Parlor. And uh, 
I'm also going to be making a separate Facebook page because I try. Well, I really want to keep mine personal. Uh, that you will find for bro Battlefront Broadcasting. I haven't put that one up, so you guys look out for that, so that you're able to follow me on Facebook because I believe that Facebook is still a really good tool to, for us to interact with. Uh, and you guys also, if you have anything that you would want me to uh, address on Battlefront South Cape, please email me at battlefrontbroadcasting at outlook.com. I'm looking forward to all of your emails from that, and we will address you as the time comes. And please uh, please email me there if you have anything that you want me to talk about or what you, you see going on that you would feel that needs to be addressed. Yeah, definitely. And then and then as well for me as well, uh, Jeff the GK on Twitter, Parlor, and Gab. And then also you can do uh, the GK online at Twitter, Parlor, Gab, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, so make sure you guys are uh, liking and subscribing and all that kind of stuff. Make if you guys can as well, because uh, right now we're live on Facebook. You guys can make sure that you're liking uh, the Facebook page. Uh, make sure uh, that if you're gonna if you're watching this on YouTube that you subscribe there because that really helps us um, as well just with like all the crazy Google YouTube algorithms and all the, all the craziness that's over there. Um, but also too, uh, make sure that you guys go over to socialinjusticebook.com, pre-order the book. The pre-orders are supposed to close really really soon. Uh, use the code Dustin. You get a free audio book uh, read by the authors themselves, which is which will be really cool to hear their writing in their own words as well. Um, and then also be uh, on the lookout as well, because I'm going to be putting out um, an episode of the Jeff Dornick podcast here pretty soon as well. Uh, and I'm going to be laying out a bunch of announcements and new things that are rolling out like a bunch. So uh, make sure you guys keep an eye out for that. And that'll be live here on Facebook as well at some point in the next few days. So, um, but yeah, again, thanks so much for coming back on, Dustin. I, I always I always enjoy talking to you and having you on and that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm, I, every single week that you put out your podcast, I always enjoy listening to it. You, you do a great job. Oh, well, thank you very much. It was really great to be here. I, I appreciate you having me on. Definitely sounds good. And then uh, everybody else, stay tuned. Um, I know we've got a couple, you know, we've, today we had, uh, I believe we had Wit Podcast. We had the Schumann Show coming out. Tomorrow we've got a couple more podcasts coming out. We've got more coming out next week. I think I think now we're up to like actually like eight podcasts now that we're carrying on the network and more coming down the road. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So uh, everybody tune in, like, subscribe, all that jazz, and we'll see you guys next time.